This is the Life Truth Network. Quest for our Truth, Episode 419. <laughs> Quest for Truth, presented by Protectorate Productions and HPN, Heltsley Podcast Network. Now located at life-truth.com. And now, here is your host, Keith Heltsley. Hey, welcome everybody. This is your host, Keith. It is time for Quest for Truth. We have another soap episode today. I thought I would start looking at the uh, letter to the Galatians uh, by Paul the Apostle. <laughs> uh, it won't be a super long episode, but uh, when you consider we only touch a few verses on it, uh, it's like a little bit lengthy for only covering the first uh, five verses, but it's very important verses, and sometimes there's a lot hiding in those citations that first meets the eye. And some things a, a good uh, a detective might deduce from that. A good Sherlock Holmes <laughs> type of ex- exploration on it. But anyway, uh, so I just wanted to begin doing that to just kind of uh, tippy toe our way through the book of Galatians. Not necessarily to do an expository look, but hey, it, it will be sort of that, but just to see what the message uh, that's taking place there and how it unfolds uh, as Paul writes. So with all that, I won't keep uh, my introductory comments too long because it's not meant to be a super long uh, episode today, but that's what we're going to be talking about. So uh, we'll get right to it. But first, we just want to share a few quick words from the good folks there at the Christian Podcast Community.com. I'm going to set that org. I think either way will work. Uh, so you'll hear some voices that sound like some of these. Hey, I'm Daryl, and I'm here with my wife, Karen. What's up? And we're the hosts of the What Are We Even Doing Here podcast, the podcast that seeks to answer the question that we all ask, what are we even doing here? We cover topics such as marriage, family, life, and living a Christian life in this crazy world. We don't have all the answers, but we know where to look. Subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on SoundCloud as we seek the kingdom of God and find out what we are even doing here. Grace and peace. Ding dong! Jehovah's Witnesses. Ding dong! Mormons! Christian, are you ready to defend the faith when false religions ring your doorbell? Do you know what your Muslim and Jewish friends believe? You will if you get Andrew Rappaport's book, What Do They Believe? When we witness to people, we need to present the truth, but it is very wise to know what they believe, and you will get Andrew Rappaport's book at whatdotheybelieve.com. Parenting isn't about us. In fact, parenting isn't even about our kids. Parenting is just one way Christian dads and moms are to worship God. So welcome to the Truth Love Parent Podcast, where we train dads and moms to give God the preeminence in their parenting. Main topic. Uh, First of all, 
some little bit of background. I'm just going from memory based on a couple of different commentaries I've gleaned information from. And that is that the for what the Galatians, uh, as well as uh, the James, are probably uh, the f very first New Testament writings to hit the street out there. And it's debatable uh, which one came first. Uh, I, I'm inclined to uh, say Galatians was the first New Testament writing where it is plausible, James. And, and I, I'm i not committed to either one, but uh, they both would have been written right around 50 to 55 AD, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, James would have been written uh, primarily to the Jerusalem church, while Galatians, the, I'm pretty sure Paul would have wrote it from a third missionary journey from somewhere, <laughs> probably from one of his time is spent locked up in jail, uh, to the Galatian church, which was actually a Gentile town, so it would have been some distance from Jerusalem. So it could be they were wrote, written uh, at the same time. Uh, of course, one without the knowledge of the other. But to me, the important thing with knowing that is that before Paul set quill to parchment <laughs> to pen these words, when people referred to scripture or the writings of old or uh, various other possibilities of putting it, they only had the Old Testament scriptures. There was no such thing as New Testament writings. The writings, this is the cutting edge of things that were written. And now keep in mind, it depends on how you count the calendar dates. Some people uh, will say that whoever devised our current uh, AD calendar uh, was off. Uh, Jesus was really born some four to five years before that. Uh, and there's good reasons uh, for that. But honestly, I, I kind of think that our current calendar system has a good merit for being accurate. Uh, and I uh, give you the point here. Uh, just, so taking it at face value that 0 AD happened uh, the year Christ was born, then in AD 33 or so, he would have been crucified. So this is within uh, what a 20-year time span from 30 AD to 50 AD. Uh, this would have been just about a 20-year time span. And if you read through Galatians and you see Paul's uh, testimony, his timeline, of course, he would have been... Uh, a youth or a child possibly at the time of Christ's crucifixion uh, and during the early uh, uh, time frame or the early chapters of Acts covers he would have been a youth because he's portrayed as uh, you know being a youth while Stephen was being martyred uh, which would mean he probably wasn't 20 because I think he would have had to have been at least you know fighting age to participate in the stoning this is my what I can just gather, my personal opinion. If you want to sway me on that, feel free. I'd love to hear more solid arguments than me saying so. Uh, 
And uh, so some background here of where we are at this time frame. There's been a lot of preaching. There's been a lot of uh, apostolic activity. Uh, there's been activity in Jerusalem, outside of Jerusalem, through uh, all the various surrounding Gentile uh, areas. But up till this point, uh, no one has bothered to sit down and write something down. And so, uh, if, if anything else, whether you want to split hairs over did James come first or Galatians, this is no doubt Paul's first letter he wrote. Uh, and so he would, of course, come to pen uh, many more uh, letters to various churches. Uh, but here we find him writing to the Galatians. Uh, and who are these Galatians? Well, Gaul uh, would imply Europeans. Uh, so some commentators, I think most of them I've read, will say that they were French settlers because you know, the Gauls came from France, or maybe Germans, but but uh, the main body of the continent there in Europe, and it you know sometime uh, I don't know maybe a hundred or three hundred years BC they came they fought the Romans they settled in this area, and later they of course were now under Roman rule but they still liked it here, and. I think it was J. Vernon McGee uh, had commented in some of his uh, writings about this, uh, stated that they were much like modern-day Americans. Uh, they were they were curious people. They loved to learn. They enjoyed new things. They had fads that were a little bit fickle, um, <laughs> much like we are today. They uh, were typical Americans, and uh, I think he makes the remark that. You know, uh, that a, a modern-day American would fit in pretty well with the Galatians at that time. There's also an issue of who exactly Paul is writing to. If you follow in Acts, the churches he set up, I don't have the, the list handy here. One of them was Antioch and others. They're mostly in what would be southern Galatia, you know, as, as a province or as a state, the southern part, he didn't really get recorded setting up churches in the northern part. And so some feel, well, he was speaking to the northern people because he hadn't been there yet. But I was like, I don't know that that would be the case. Uh, he did address the letter, we'll get more to it later in a moment, uh, to the churches of Galatia, there was many more. He did a good half a dozen churches there. And of course, the intent was to circulate this letter uh, amongst them. Uh, so he wasn't writing to one particular group of people, but the whole district of people, the whole Southern state, probably. I don't see it being written towards the Northern territory, but hey, I'm not the, the scholar on that. Just based on what I've standing on the shoulders of others who have studied it uh, in more depth and scholarly level than I have here. But anyway, just some things there. And, and being, you know, Europeans, the Galatians may very well have tended to be, you know, the blonde hair, blue eyed, typical uh, European p 
people, but they were something of a, an Asian European blend. In my mind, I'm thinking, you know how certain Russians, uh, especially those who are kind of on the more of the Asian side of the continent than the European, they kind of have the, you know, like the the Oriental almond shaped eye, but they look more like European, just with a uh, kind of a blend is how I would take it. Cause it had, they have been settled here for some time, a couple hundred years. So there would have been some uh, interracial mixing happening there. And of course uh, the territory of Galatia is now modern day Turkey. It's part of Turkey. In fact, a lot of Bible areas you read about now is now modern day Turkey, <laughs> well, these various districts and regions. So it's it's now been absorbed uh, by the nation of Turkey, uh, but it was considered, you know, north, and these people were considered you know, Europeans. Uh, now here I have um, an opening. I don't know if I can read it verbatim, but it's from uh, John MacArthur, and he asked the question, "How and when did you first hear the good news of Jesus Christ?" Explain. Now. My first impression was, I'm not sure where he's going with this, but let's, let's continue on. We'll figure it out. A common question asked by many evangelists and speaking to people about their spiritual condition is this. Suppose you were to die today and found yourself standing before the heavenly gates. God himself meets you there and asks, why should I let you into heaven? What response would you give? What is someone with common replies might give to this question? So I, I think I see where it's going here, because what gets you into heaven? Uh, is it you know, through uh, grace and faith in Christ, or is it works or something else? And, uh, this is kind of the meat of the whole book of Genesis. Uh, he wants to say Genesis, <laughs> Galatians. Uh, but uh, what would you say that question? What do you think are the essentials of the gospel? Uh-huh. So here's exactly why he, John MacArthur would open up a study on Galatians in this way. Uh, because uh, even though there had been a lot of teaching, a lot of doctrine being passed, uh, that these people had begun to have some problem with this. Uh, John MacArthur goes on to say, um, is the purity of the gospel important? Is it all right to take an eclectic approach to mix radically faith traditions together? At what price? Well, Paul would say no. I kind of paraphrase that a tiny bit, but as an opening segment from a John MacArthur commentary on Galatian, and it does bring us some good questions. Uh, what? How important is the integrity of the gospel? Well, it's so important that Paul wrote this letter. <laughs> so there was, if we look at uh, kind of the introduction here to the whole scheme of thing, we have, of course, a citation that goes to verses one through five. You know what? And I think we might just uh, cover that in this session right now uh, because the, the overarching outline is uh, after the citation, Paul goes into uh, a bit of 
a body of his message, so to speak, up to about verses 9 or 10. Yeah, verse 10 is kind of a pivotal. It could go either way with the earlier, later passage. But then from about verse uh, 11 through the end of the second chapter uh, is a big a treatise of Paul uh, stating his case. Uh, but we can learn pretty much, if you pay attention to what's being said in these first five verses here. Uh, Galatians 1, New American Standard Bible. Introduction. Paul, an apostle not sent from man to the agency of man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead. And all the brethren who are with me to the churches of Galatia, Grace to you and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins so that he might rescue us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forevermore. Amen. Okay, let's um, break that reading down just a little bit here. And you'll notice Paul, an apostle, what is that word apostle? You're familiar with apostle, the 12 disciples. After Jesus died, they became the apostles. The disciple was a student. Well, the, their role was to absorb and learn. But as an apostle, in general, it means someone who is sent out. They were sent out with the commission. The commission to do what? Well, to teach what they had learned. You were an ambassador. Uh, you went out with uh, some degree of authority. Now, Paul, talking about authority, not sent from man to the agency of man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father. Now, he's defending his apostleship. Well, from his very first verses, why would he do that? Now, we'll find out as we read through Galatians. Uh, his authority as an apostle was under attack. So right off the bat, he's saying, Paul, an apostle not sent from man to the agency of man, but through Jesus Christ. He's stating who, what his commission was, and he's stating his authority because of being called into question. Now, there was some requirements of being an apostle. Um, one was to have been an eyewitness of Christ's ministry from the time of the baptism of John up to and including the resurrection and also to be called into it by the risen Lord. Now, I think J. Vernon McGee puts a th an extra, a third one there in the middle, but I think what he does is he, he splits apart the idea of must be a uh, disciple since John's baptism and his second one is to uh, have been there at the resurrection. But anyway, those are, that's basically it. You, you had to have been there during Jesus' lifetime on earth uh, and then have been called by him. Uh, and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Uh, now, why did Paul include that? Well, because he, Paul's trying to say that the Christ, who was raised from the dead, uh, called him. He had, remember, he had a vision 
uh, or revelation, I should say. And of course, he'll speak of that in the upcoming verses. He speaks of it in Acts. Uh, we learned about his Damascus trans conversion. That's the word we're looking for. But he's saying that the you know, Jesus rose and he was seen among men. Uh, he was ascended. Uh, but that does, that means he's still alive. And if Christ was on earth and was seen after his death, uh, he certainly could come back in a, uh, a spiritual form uh, for uh, Paul or Saul at the time uh, to see. And all the brethren who are with me to the churches of Galatia. I already mentioned it, that this is a letter. It's not just to the church of uh, Antioch and Galatia. It's not just to the church of whatever town. It's to the churches throughout the whole district. Now, what that would imply to me is he wanted to circulate it because apparently this was not an isolated uh, uh, event that needed to be addressed. It would had uh, exploded into uh, a regional problem. And so it's to the churches of Galatia. Grace to you and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and of course, the, the term grace, you know, grace uh, and peace. Peace is how the Jewish person, you know, Shalom, would uh, greet each other. Grace or grace and peace is how the, the Christians or the way the sect is what this would be considered at the time. Uh, how they would greet each other, but he he does it from himself, but also from the brethren who are with me. He doesn't really name them. Uh, if you cross-reference this and you hop through all the other letters, uh, Romans and Ephesians and Colossians and so forth, uh, he typically uh, spends some time, you know, naming those who are with him. But here he 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 doesn't get into that, and some people can can start what we're not theological hairs and say, oh, this would mean something. Well, yes and no. To me, it doesn't make that big of a hair-splitting event because this is his first letter. It's not like he had already developed a, uh, a standard way of doing this. And because he's so terse here and to the point, kind of proves the importance and the quickness he wanted to get this out. Uh, but of course, grace is only through God and through Jesus. Both persons are closely connected. What that proves when he talks about the grace of God and Jesus is that both Jesus and God are closely connected. They are you know, the same in the Trinity. Grace to you and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, there's a note here. I think this is a, it's from John MacArthur note. It says... They attacked the Judaizers of the legalistic system because if salvation was of works as they claim, then it's not from grace or from peace. And no one can really be sure if they have enough works to get saved. Now, I don't know how he comes up with all that based on the fact he says grace and peace. <laughs> but he implies that this typical greeting attacked the system of works. And really, it, it kind of, I almost wouldn't say it attacks the doctrine of works, but it's, he's being emphatic about how you ex exactly get saved. 
because it is through grace. Uh, you can't have true peace if you don't have grace first, because you have to have God's grace to understand you have assurance of salvation. Otherwise, there is no peace. Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sin. Uh, what is in that phrase, uh, where he focuses on that phrase, what he is talking about is that no one can avoid sin by human effort or law. Uh, it must be forgiven through deliverance from sin. Uh, because, you know, elsewhere in other writings, he had taught that the law doesn't save. All the law does is it lets you know all the many ways that you have sinned and deserve uh, separation from God is what the law does. Uh, and so salvation certainly cannot come from the law. And of course, all these things are hints. <laughs> They're all um, pointing to Paul's purpose. Um, the substitutionary death of Jesus is what provides salvation. It's God's will and mercy that rescues. And here's an interesting concept. It rescues not necessarily from sin, but from the power of sin. Now think about that. We have been saved, but we still commit sin. We haven't necessarily been saved from sin. Otherwise, poof, we would no longer be sinning. We'd all be sanctified and we could be glorified on the spot. <laughs> but this doesn't work so simply that way. But we are free from the power of sin. Because the power of sin over us is death. That's the wages of sin is death. That power that, we, that sin has over us, it, we're free from death. We're not free from the, the sin, the acts, but we are free from the power that those sinful acts bring upon us. And that's because of what Jesus' substitutionary death did for us who gave himself for our sin um, and, and again um, no one can avoid sin by any human effort uh, and sin has to be forgiven there's no other way around that so that he might rescue us from this present evil age and what that means is uh, the term age doesn't necessarily mean a period of time, but to an order or system, and particularly the system that Satan currently rules. This evil age means that the, the, the system where Satan rules. So actually the evil age goes from Adam and Eve in the garden to when Jesus comes back. <laughs> That's the evil age. Is the age that Satan has... Uh, been given authority over. Uh, it doesn't mean like, you know, a certain time period of the Roman emperors and they went into a different dispensational thing. Uh, and, uh, okay, uh, sorry, candy worms. If they want to start a theological debate about dispensationalism or uh, covenantal systems. Uh, if you don't want talking about, good. If you do, well, we can discuss it later. <laughs> According to the will of our God and Father. And what is the will of God? It is the will that God had to glorify himself by sending Jesus to redeem uh, sinners. 
to whom be the glory forevermore. Amen. Um, and that will t take us through comments, remarks, and notes I have on these first five verses. Uh, now, if you think about all of this, whenever you write a letter to somebody, and I might have could have said this up front, but I thought uh, have some pretty good opening remarks here, uh, thanks to John MacArthur's questioning. <laughs> but think about a letter, those of you who are old enough to have actually written paper letters and sent to each other. Um, whenever you transact that, it's from somebody to somebody. You know, and, and it's, you look at the top lines, you'll know, be my address to your address and then dear Joe or whatever your name is. <laughs> and then uh, your opening statements pretty much sets the tone of the letter. Now, more modern times, you have email, you have, well, your, your from line is already built into your email client from my name. And you know who it is. Paul the Apostle, not a member of God. He says, who's he sending it to? Galatian churches. That's the two field. Then you have the subject line. The subject is, he's talking about salvation. You know what salvation is all about. It is from God through Christ, not anything else, period. Now, as uh, we turn to, uh, and we was if we were to proceed starting at verse 6 and pushing forward. Now you're getting into the body of the text. Uh, you know, you're expounding on the subject line, as it were. And the only uh, thing I want to do, really to kind of uh, try to bring us to a conclusion here, is whenever you compare the salutation from Galatians to Romans to Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians, and others. Uh, this is only five verses long. And then Paul, bam, he jumps on verse six and away he goes with the, the body of what he wants to talk about. If you look at other ones, sometimes the entire first chapter is nothing but salutation. The, the entire first chapter of Pretty much Romans is all citation. I feel like by the end, he finally starts getting into a, uh, the, the tone or topic of, of uh, his treatises there. Uh, sometimes he spends, you know, 17, 20, 25 verses. But here, you know, as mentioned, he was he's very short. He's very terse. It gets to the point. He doesn't spend time who is with him. He just says, the brothers are with me. He doesn't spend a lot of time with flowery language like, we've been praying for you, we're edified by you, we are constantly thankful for you. You notice that's not there. <laughs> now, of course, this is his first letter. Uh, so maybe uh, he is still trying to iron out his style. Uh, so you can't say these Galatians solace and thought, oh my gosh, it's this is pretty cold because there was nothing really to compare it to before this. So the people who received it, I mean, they just read the words that were there. And it should be pretty evident, though, he, in this citation, he doesn't get into a lot of the controversy. He doesn't say who may be challenging his authority, but he does restate it. He doesn't say who may be challenging works or whether works are involved. 
but he does clearly state the gospel. Uh, and he's just, you know, trying to go back square one. <laughs> These are the things you've been taught. You know, greetings and salutations. Remember this stuff? Pa uh, pass this on, O churches of Galatia. Uh, so he uh, definitely uh, wants to get to the point. And, uh, and I want to get to the point too, but it'll have to be through a, a later uh, installment. Uh, but I, I just wanted to uh, really focus on the citation. And, and some of the things that I've gleaned out of it, some of the notes I've jotted down on it. Uh, so there we go. And we'll have to uh, get busy with this at a different time. So we'll see you then. Hi, this is Jonathan coming to you from my walk-in closet in the small town of Manheim, Pennsylvania. Welcome to Small Town Theologian, a show devoted to digging into the Heidelberg Catechism and ecumenical creeds, not just to better understand foundational truths, but to seek to apply them to the rhythm of everyday life. May your life be shaped by what you learn. I'd love for the show to reach more people. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, would you please rate the show? Also, share the podcast with a friend. Thanks for supporting the show. Now featured on the Christian Podcast Community. ChristianPodcastCommunity.org Welcome to the Doctrine Matters Podcast, where we seek to equip the church to understand and live out its faith. I'm your host, Stephen Dew. I'm the preaching pastor at South Caraway Baptist Church in Jonesboro, Arkansas. We want to thank you for joining us today, and let's get right to today's episode. Are you just watching? When you gather the family around the TV, are you prepared to use your biblical worldview to discuss what you see with your spouse and kids? It takes a little practice to not just watch. Are You Just Watching? The Entertained Christian's Handbook to Consuming Media with Purpose is a guided journal with worldview-shaping info and lots of guided note pages to help you watch and discuss anything you put before your family's eyes. Purchase it now on Amazon.com. And don't just watch. All righty, and there we go. Uh, a lot to be learned and gleaned, uh, some background uh, and some uh, under undercurrents in <laughs> those first opening verses there to uh, Galatians. You know what you're looking for? It's a little more evident, but uh, it's nice to step through all that and unpack it. Well, with that, that's all I really got. And so I uh, will just wrap it up, close it up, and uh, sign off. This is your host, Keith Singh, signing off. Thanks for listening, and we will see you all again next week. Visit life-truth.com where you can find all our shows. Leave a message or call our voicemail number at 401-753-4844. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash life truth page. Follow us on Twitter at HPNCast, capital H, capital P, capital N, capital C, A-S-T. Everything Nathan Caldwell does can be found at facebook.com forward slash protectors of the book. Music in the show is used by permission of Kevin Zerbe. 
at zerbinator.wordpress.com. May God richly bless you. May you find everything you need. And if you don't know Jesus, your greatest need is a Savior. Thanks for listening.